Welcome back to Unemployed with Anna Roisman. I like I just like saying my name. Uh, highly unemployed today, but honestly, I felt I feel like I've been working all day. I'm making a soup. And you guys know I love my soups, so she's sweating, she's working. Um, but I'm so excited for our episode today. I have a very funny friend on. He's a comedian, he is an actor, he's a writer. He's actually the only gay dad in Brooklyn who actually doesn't have a kid, so breaking <laughs> barriers. Uh, you know him from TikTok. We love him. We've got Jake Cor- Cornell on the show. Hello. Hi. Hi. Welcome. Happy to be here. Very happy. Thanks to be for here. getting a babysitter. Seriously. Uh, oh my god, I know it's, it's so expensive. You have to because it's a fake child. You have to explain a lot. It gets complicated. Yeah, yeah. I'm glad you have the hour to hang out with us. <laughs> Me too. Oh, it's such a break, Jake, from not being a parent. How are you? How is your life? How? I mean, I've seen you a little bit recently. I know, which is lovely. You know. I'm good. I went to the movies today. I'm hanging out with you for a bit, and I'm going to get dinner after oh, this. Oh, I love. So I really cannot complain. What'd you see? I'm having a nice... I saw June. Oh, nice. Very nice. Was it good? Yes. I loved. I actually fully loved. I know nothing it about it, but I've heard people like it. <laughs> it's definitely, like, dense, but, like, and, like, but it, I loved it. And it, like, looks fucking incredible. Yeah. It's one of those movies you gotta yeah. go to the theater for, right? It's, like... Oh, yeah. Like, I see. I There's no... Even though it was good, I feel like there's no way I would be able to pay attention to it at home. Like, I just... There's no way. Yeah. I, it, it's very hard for me to pay attention to anything at home these days. Like... Totally. A hundred percent. I've been doing Squid Game, but I can only do one at a time. So I do it, like, one a night. And that's yeah. my hour. It's funny. Squid Game is this thing, like... I will say Squid Game has really highlighted there's, like, two kinds of people with shows like that that are really intense and violent, which is, like, the people who can, like, only watch one a night or me, which is, like, I just have to rip the Band-Aid off. I'm, like, I'm going to watch all ten of these right now because I don't want to have to do this, like, every day for a week. <laughs> and so I'll just, like, rip it off and watch them all and I'll be, like, okay, cool, I'll watch Squid Game, move on. <laughs> but it's interesting. I feel like those are, like, the two camps. Totally. I, I'm like that with most shows. Like, I'll, if I start to binge, unless I'm sick and I'm told, like, lay on the couch, you know, for, like, 12 hours, 100%. I, like, can't. I can't do it. And maybe that's because I've worked for myself, quote unquote, for the last bunch of years. So, like, if I do that, I'm like, Anna, this is a bad habit. This is bad for you. Because I would love to do that. Totally. But, yeah. um, But wait, tell me. So, you're newly uh, freelance, right? We were just about to talk about this. Yeah. Yeah. I left restaurants. I left my restaurant job, which was like my, I guess, for lack of a better term, like survival Mm -hmm. job. I left it in. September. So I guess almost two months ago. Congratulations. Thank you. Yes, yes, yes. How long were you working in restaurants for? I was working in restaurants. Well, I guess I've worked in food service pretty much my entire working life, but at restaurants and bars was 10 years. Okay. Amazing. I was before like, before that I was an ice cream scooper. Oh, I love it. I was I was My about between seven and eight years in restaurants. And Ellen knows I love when we have friends on who were in restaurants because I'm like, you know, totally. it's fun to shoot the shit about you the can service swap industry. stories. Yeah. Oh, I mean, it's just absolutely it's such a part of your life. And it becomes second nature that you don't even like think about. Like, I don't know, was there ever a part of you that was like, Am I gonna get out or am I just gonna like because it's not a bad job. Well, but, you know, no. Well, what was complicated with it for me was that when I moved to New York, I was like interested in being staying. Mm-hmm. In it. Like I had loved I moved to New York kind of I mean, like I think as we all do on like so much confidence being like I'm actually the one person that this is going to be really easy for <laughs> like moving to New York. But like I had fully fallen in love with the restaurant industry and 
working in it in college. I didn't, I Me too. had so much fun bartending and was like, this is the fucking best. And so I was like, but I also knew I wanted to be an actor and knew I wanted to be a comedian, but I kind of was like, okay, well, best of both. Like I have it made cause I'm going to move to New York and I love bartending and serving. So I'll just do that. And then I'll also do comedy and like everything will be peachy keen. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's like not exactly how it actually panned out <laughs> once I got here. <laughs> but like, I didn't move here. Like, I didn't initially view restaurants as like this thing that I needed to escape. It became that at times, yeah. especially like at the shittier jobs I mm-hmm. had. But like, yeah, I there were definitely moments like some of the lowest times of my life where I like truly dreaded going to my restaurant job and hated it. The place I was working at right before I left. I was there for two years. It was the best restaurant I ever worked at by a fucking mile. Mm-hmm. I love them so much. I go back and visit all the time. And what that was just hard because it got to a point where like my comedy career was like really, I was like booking a lot of, I was like, I had a lot of work to do. I was like doing a ton of shit. Yeah. And I also, and I also had a restaurant job. And so it became this thing where like, I just had literally no time. And I started to really resent the job because of the time it was taking, totally. which sucked because I actually loved that job. And so I kind of like, I had like a big conversation with my boss, who's like a friend of mine of seven years where I was like, I'm freaking out and like hating this because of like, not because of the job itself, but because of like my time strain. Yeah. And I think that means I have to go. Yeah. Yeah. And so I, yeah, it happens. I, I was just going to say, I loved, I loved all, so many of the people I worked with in my last restaurant that I had worked at was like, I don't know for, I was there for like three years. I left, I was in another place for a little while. And then I went back for like two years. Cause they like, were like, come back. And I was like, great. I totally. love all these people. And I'll never forget. I was like booking more stuff at night and everything. And we only made money at night. We were in a lunch restaurant. And so I was like, well, I don't, I can't keep taking off and not making money. So I have to find something in the day. And so I made the transition to like restaurant and then I became an assistant and worked in the day and they hired me because they were like, oh, you have connections at like nice restaurants. And I was like, yeah, I worked in like a lot of places. (laughs) And they were like, yeah, okay, cool. Then you're hired. And I was like, oh, that's so funny. (laughs) Yeah. Literally I got hired. They were like, craft, can you get us a table at craft like Friday night? And I was like, yeah, no problem. And they're like, wow. Okay. Wow. No assistant experience. Done. (laughs) (laughs) That's so funny. They're like, let's talk about what's really important here. Yeah, totally. (laughs) But I feel that you become a family with your restaurant. And these people know you on your worst days and your best days, and they're there to cheer you on. Uh It's it's hard. That's what I meant by, like, it's hard to leave because I was very comfortable, right? You you know that you don't even have to think when you get there. It's like – it's. It's income, which, like, obviously, anytime you're leaving, like, consistent income, even though restaurant money is not always consistent by nature right. being tips, but, like, at least it's, like, steady. The amount is not consistent, but, like, the paychecks are in terms of, like, you get one every Friday. Yep. Like, that, leaving that was so scary. Like, it's definitely been a, an enormous life adjustment. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. But you, you figure it out. Like you, sometimes I have to like, you have to stop yourself and be like, Jake, you're not going to starve this month. You know, you have a apartment, you're going to pay for your apartment. Like it's like at the worst time, I always have to like remind myself of like the basics when I'm like, this month was slow. Like what the fuck happened? Cause it's, it's scary. No, totally. Yes. Um, well, congratulations. It is a huge leap. Thank you. And I really, like, admire you. And it's funny because we just had one of your comedy partners, Marsha Belsky, on our last episode. And we were just discussing. Oh, no way. Like, literally. Yeah. I think I told you. I was like, you guys were both booked around the same time. Um, but we were discussing, like, you know, that some months are going to be slow and some months won't be. And, like, it's just kind of like you just have to keep working and, like, it, it'll happen. It'll happen for you. You took that leap, right? Um Ye- 
Yeah. It's having the faith that there's going to be another thing and like, and also being like, and if there's not, I'll figure it out. You know, like kind of having that energy about it, I think is crucial, but it is definitely just like, it can be scary at times that you just have to be like, something's going to happen. Like, you know, and it'll be fine. Totally. And the other beauty of restaurant work is that it's there. Like it, like push comes to shove. If I'm like in like three months, if I'm like, wait, I'm kind of fucked. Like, I can make two phone calls and be behind a bar in an hour. Like, honestly. Literally. Like, I know. That's the beauty of, like, befriending your coworkers in service industry. Like, there are so many people I could literally, like, text and be like, hey, can I bartend for a month? Like, I need to I need yeah. to make some money right now. And they'll be like, yeah, sure. Yeah, totally. Like, it's, it's awesome. It's sick. Um, well, but I'm proud of you for making the leap, I was saying. Because I, I feel like the more who do it, like, because I've done it now for a while and it's scary sometimes. And I started my life as unemployed Anna. But, you know, I'm not always unemployed. It's just a brand that I like to grow. <laughs> <about>. <laughs> no, totally. it is funny because, like, when you started doing it, I remember being like, damn, does she really still not have a job? And then someone was like, no, like, she just keeps calling the show that. And I was like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I didn't for a while. I had a severance package. No, I remember I that. Yeah, I remember that. I didn't know. And I was like, well, why would I get a job? Because I'd lose this money and this is more money than any of these fucking places are going to pay me. Totally. So it was like a catch 22, but in a good way, it like launched me on my feet. Like I had yeah. to figure out, all right, now what? Yeah. I was like, now, now I was like, I can't afford SoulCycle anymore. <laughs> I can't afford certain things. <laughs> um. Cool. Well, I want to know. So can I just ask, like, you had a crazy pandemic. I feel like your TikTok went insanely viral. And that's like one of the most exciting things, especially for a comic who's on the Internet. Uh, It's part of our job. Um, Totally. Tell me about it. How did that like come about before I get into teenage Jake? Totally. Um, Basically, what happened was, I mean, like I had been doing comedy in New York for, I think, five years. I moved here in 2014. The pan- So six years, like a little under six years. And like was kind of, I feel like I had was like just starting to, I'd been doing improv a lot and was like transitioning away mm-hmm. from that and figuring out what was next. And like then the pandemic hit. And I think for me, it was kind of like, and I think a lot of comics maybe experienced this, but I was kind of, there felt like such a weight lifted off my shoulder of being like, oh, there's no way to do comedy right now. Like yeah. I don't have to worry about my comedy career because it, like it can't exist right now. And so I can kind of just like be a human. Like I don't have to like constantly be thinking about being a comedian. And I think that that weight lifted like and I truly didn't think about doing comedy for like six months. And I was also working in a restaurant at that time during a pandemic. Mm-hmm. Like I was kind of preoccupied like things were right. things were going down. And then I had an idea for a video one day and it wasn't even like, I didn't even think of it necessarily like me as a comedian. I was just kind of like, oh, that's like funny. I should make a video about that. Cause like, this is so ridiculous. Cause I was just dealing with like the most bonkers people every day in the restaurant. Mm-hmm. And so I made a video. I actually didn't post it to TikTok. I posted it to Instagram and Twitter and it did really well. Like, and I had never had anything go like viral or whatever before. And so I was like, oh shit, like people really liked this video. And like, it wasn't that hard to make. Like making a video on your cell phone is <laughs> truly not that hard. Like in, yeah. in terms of like the actual technical, the technical execution, not hard. Obviously coming up right. with ideas and writing it is like challenging, but like our iPhones are kind of, it, we're so lucky and like we take them for granted yeah. all the time. Like it's really wild. So I was like, oh, I should just do more of these. And so then I was doing Instagram videos. Like I was trying to do like one a week for a while. 
And that was like fun. And it was, it also kind of just felt like nothing mattered because like it was the pandemic and no, it's like, you know what I mean? This isn't going to go anywhere. We're not doing a live show. No one's like signing mm-hmm. anyone. There are no auditions. So I'm just like, if people don't like these videos, like the worst thing that happens is if people don't like these videos. And I, I think that let me kind of have the time to also like, like I'll, I go back and watch a lot of the stuff that I was putting out way at the beginning. And I'm like, yeah, you can see I'm kind of just figuring it out. Like, I don't know that all this fully works or is like yeah. funny, but I just was like, I was like, let me just fucking throw it at the wall and see what sticks because that it felt like a time to do that. Yeah. And then after like, I think probably like four, three or four months of that, someone was like, you really, because I had TikTok and I had watched, been watching TikTok avidly for like probably eight months at that point, but right. I, I was never posting on it. And one of my friends was like, it's, we- it's kind of silly that you have all these videos and you're just not posting them to TikTok, like just post them to TikTok. Right. And I was like, oh, that's true. I guess I like, I guess that is like silly of me. <laughs> and so then I did start posting them to TikTok and then like they started doing well. And I was like, and TikTok, like building a following on Instagram can feel like pulling teeth at times, like totally and building a TikTok following. I mean, I guess, but I never was like consciously building a following. That makes it sound like I was like being like, I got to build my following, but it's like more like getting your stuff seen on Instagram is really hard, like outside of your own followers, because like people have to share it. People have to send it to people. Whereas like the nature of TikTok is you're watching other people, you're watching stranger shit all the time. And so Mm -hmm. people started watching my videos like a lot. And I was like, Oh my God, this is so fun. And then right when that happened, my restaurant closed for the winter, like intentionally, like they didn't go out of business. They were like, like and then, so we all got put back on unemployment and they were like, let's, and I was like, like from like December to like, I think April we closed Mm. of 2021. And so, they were like, yeah, everyone go back on unemployment. Like we got your health insurance. You're fine. Which was amazing. Like they were, they were wow, really, yeah. they were really great to us. And so I was really lucky. And I was like, what if I just did a video a day? Like, cause also on TikTok, it feels like you can kind of just like throw things out there and see what works even yeah. more so than what I've been doing on Instagram. So then I did, an in, I think I did an Insta, I did a TikTok video a day, I think for three or four months, just like one a day. Amazing. And I didn't like. I wasn't like. I tried to. But you have to do. I have learned now to to grow your TikTok. You you have to constantly post. Now they're like it's like three to five a day. I feel like people. I see. Yeah, I mean, if you want to be like like a, if you want to be like a TikToker who is like people are following your life and watching you on TikTok like all the time, I think you do have to be posting like that. I think if you're just a comedian, like I do think you can post a little bit more infrequently. Luckily, because like people aren't people aren't following your page for like you're like they're not like to see like like, like what did Anna have for lunch Rico, like yeah, yeah like what like, literally like <laughs> literally like what did Anna have for lunch today like what are her and Jared doing tonight like it's not you're not selling that so like just putting up comedy <laughs> videos I think it's like, a little bit different I can't yeah. fucking imagine if like being an actual TikToker and having to like feeling the need to put like three to four videos out a day like it's when I woke up in the morning I'd be like what if I put my head in the toilet like it was just like I can't <laughs> imagine like it just yeah. sounds awful, but um, God bless those people that do it. Truly, yeah, I can't believe the timing worked out like that. Like you're, you know, I was your very lucky. Yeah. Social was growing, and you were having fun. You were making these videos, and then you had more time to do it. Obviously, I know. so yeah. it was like meant to be. Yeah, and that's what, and then that kind of ties into like what we're talking about when it got really hard. Was like then over this past summer, I'd been making a video a day, and it was going really well, and I was like really, really, really enjoying it. It got like yeah. so fun, and then all of a sudden, it was like I had to also do. I was working like 40 hours a week again and just like not having the, like 
I, it wasn't like I was physically trying to make a video. It's like, I just didn't have the brain space to come up with ideas because like before I'd be like, Oh, I don't have an idea. Let me go on a two hour walk. And usually like <laughs> on the walk and I would get an idea or something. And it's like, right. I just didn't have the time for that. And so I w- really stopped. I wasn't making videos as much. I wasn't doing it as much. And that was getting really hard. And so once I was able to get into a place where I was able to leave, it was great. Cause then I could. Good. Cause they're good. And we love, Thank and you. I always said that about you. I mean, like I, I always was like, Jake, like you're very realistic and you will say exactly what's on your mind <laughs> and you will say exactly what's on other people's minds that Thank they're afraid you. to say. And that's what I feel like you bring to your stuff. And I love it so much. Like even that. the sketches, like, you know, from like, cause I love when you did the sketches too, when you were like the brunch people and stuff yeah. and then, you know, and then you did your gig dad character, which was like amazing, but you, you always bring it. You always bring that part of you, I think, to all your videos. Thank you, Anna. I'm obsessed. That really I'm really means a glad. Lot. I'm glad to see you soar. Uh, I'm still trying to figure out TikTok, but I have so much fun doing it. You know what I mean? Like a hundred percent. It's so fun, and I'm like, well, you know, every so often I have a hit, but I I change it up. I don't I don't have like my niche, you know, and I know that's important on TikTok. I mean, but. it isn't it, it? I mean, I wouldn't say I have a niche. Like I kind of like I'll I'll talk about whatever I want. Like I don't think it's like. I think I would say, like, don't – I think what happens with a lot of people when I talk to them about TikTok because, like, a lot of my friends will ask me about it. And I'm like, don't, like, let – don't, like, let all of the information about, like, this is what makes you do well on TikTok. This yeah. is how TikTok works. This is what does well on TikTok. Like, don't think about all that stuff because, like, it's not – that's all going to block you from bringing, like, authentic Anna to a video. Do you know what I mean? Totally. And it's like mm-hmm. – that was, I think, why I had so much fun on TikTok in the beginning. It's also, like – TikTok a year ago was a completely different landscape. It wasn't the biggest app totally. in the world. It felt like it was like me and these like weirdo 20, like 20 year olds in like Ohio, like being like, look what we found in this graveyard. Like it was just like weird shit. And it felt yeah. like much more like wild, wild westy. And I'm not saying that to be like a comedian who's like back in my day, it was, but I, I just mean like it wasn't as like no, institute. it changes, it grows. It, it wasn't yeah. like, now it feels like this fucking machine that everyone is on. Like to be swiping and like be like, oh, here's like Jessica Chastain's TikTok of her getting ready for the Oscar like what like that a year like a year ago would just have never happened and so totally I think it's like and I think what the app is also always the landscape of that is always changing and evolving and like the next thing that's going to do really really well on it like hasn't been done yet so it's like I think people shouldn't like think too hard about like I know you have to do this if you want to do well on TikTok. Like I hear people say that a lot and I'm like, don't think about it that way. No, definitely not. And like you said it before, you have to throw shit at the wall and whatever you what like I always think and I do that with video. I've made videos for a long time, but you know, I always feel like whatever I find fun or funny or like, you know, even if it's a dumb trend totally. that's happening on TikTok, but I'm like, I like this trend. I like this sound bite. I want to do it too. 100%. Like who cares? Just well, do it. Well, cuz that's like, the other thing is sometimes like the other thing is like it's like you also, if you are think, if you're trying to do things that you think will do well, and you're trying to do it that way, you yeah, might have won't. something. No, but sometimes it will, and now it's like, okay, now you're well known for something you don't like doing. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Like, you, if you don't like doing like review <gasps> so video, true. if you don't like doing like review videos of how different laundry detergents smell, but you make that video and it goes viral, and now you're making like r- viral review videos of like different products, like when you're a yeah. comedian, it's like. Like, if you didn't want to do that, don't do that because, like, right. you it, it's not just about getting a lot of views. It's not just about getting a lot of followers. Like, you need to be doing what you want to be fucking doing. 1,000%. I had this issue. It's not an issue, uh, but it became a little bit weird. But you, do you remember I was doing Hilaria Baldwin? Um, yes. I don't know if you saw. Yes, but I was I did, doing I Hilaria Baldwin. Uh, I love I, – I, I, 
you know, I, I was inspired by the story. And it's, it was funny to me to do an impression of her. I watch her all the time on Instagram. And then, and they did well for me on TikTok. Totally, yeah. And then people were like, anything I made that wasn't her, their comments are like, more Hilaria. Or like, I they're know. commenting in like broken Spanish. And I'm like, okay, I do other things too, bitch. And then, yeah. and then after like the incident with Alec Baldwin, I had all these comments. And they're like, I can't wait to see Hilaria's response to it. And I was like, no. Uh-huh. Nope. Hard low. Hard she touched, she that's not so, touching that. That's I'm so like, oh. fucked up. I'm sorry. That's so fucked up. And But that's the thing is you have to get used to like telling people no. Like, cause that would happen with me. Like, especially like with my first character that was really well known. I was like, at one point I was like, okay, I'm done doing this character. Cause I don't want to be known as this character. Like I don't want to be known as them. So I'm not going to do them anymore. And then you go through like a month or so where every video gets comments like more of this, more of this. And you're like, sorry, babe, it's over. (laughs) Like, and you kind of have to hold that line because like, you don't, you know, and like, then you'll eventually come up with the next thing and then they'll love that for a minute. And then they'll be like next, you know, and it's like, you just kind of have to kind of get used to that. I think. Yeah. It's fun. It's like playing, it's like playing cards. I don't know. It's like, you never know what'll like have fun with it, but you have never know what'll it. be good or yeah. not good. Um, cool. Well, I want to take it back. So I love to talk to people about like, what was like teenage Jake? Like, like, did you always know you wanted to be an actor, um, you know, growing up or did you have other aspirations? I like not to get too sad about it, but I knew I wanted to be an actor, but didn't think I could because I was gay. Like I was made to feel like I like couldn't because I was like, I, I was like very effeminate in high school. I mean, like I'm, it's not like I'm butch right now, but like, or like mask right now, but like (laughs) I just like, I got clocked as being gay when I was like 11, you know what I mean? And so Uh like I never got cast as a lead in a play. And I very much felt that that was because of, you know, my voice specifically and, you know, I, like, even never, like, really got a big part in a play. And I think that was because of my voice. And, like... Like, in high school. And yeah, in high like school and, like, community d- theater. And so I kind of was mm-hmm. like, oh, like, I don't, like... I was, like, kind of felt... St- I was like, I would feel stupid to try to be an actor because, like, the proof is in the pudding that, like, it's not for me because of, like, how I speak. And so... That's so crazy because you probably could have slayed those lead roles over any other person they cast in them. And it sucks to sit back and be like... I can do this better than you. Well, to be like a like a working comedian now, and like I want the what I don't I don't I don't actually know that I want to finish what I was gonna say, but it's like it's just funny to think like like my high school theater department follows me on Instagram, and sometimes I'm like, do you think I like you? Like I'm like, <laughs> like the guy who runs it. I'm like, do you think I have like a good opinion of how you treated me? Because mm-hmm. um, you were also probably very funny, and I think they're very threatened in the acting world, in the musical theater world. They were threatened by the funny people. I never got a lead in high school yeah, until totally. I demanded it my senior year, and I was just like, <laughs> I was like, there's no fucking way you're going to let me graduate without one lead. Um, but yeah, no, I, I always got like sidekick, funny character. Totally. Like They don't, you know, but yeah, and it's, so, it's stupid. Yeah. And so I, I was like, well, I'll be a screenwriter. That was like what? And I also like, that was like, teachers always in school always said I was a good writer. And so okay. I, and like, so my- You are. Thank you. <laughs> but like- my family was like, I think that was just like everyone kind of glommed on this thing. Like, oh, Jake writes, even though like I didn't, I'm like not a prolific writer. Like I don't journal. I don't write that often. But like when I get an idea, I'll sit down and I'll write it. But that doesn't mm-hmm. happen. I'm not like writing every day. Like I'm not like a writer's writer. But anyway, so yeah. I was like, oh, I'll go to school for screenwriting. And that'll be like my way into like movies and TV and stuff. Cause like, that's what I love. 
And so then I applied to like a bunch of programs, got into all of them, couldn't afford any of them, went to my state school to study film theory, which is useless. I'm like, damn, you got into all of them, though. I mean, I applied to five and I think I got into all five, but they were like, I mean, like the funniest thing, the funniest, one of the funniest things that's ever happened to me in my life. Because, okay, so, like, humiliatingly, my top school was BU because, like, when you grow up in rural New England, Boston is, like, framed to you as, like, a sweeping metropolis. Like, truly thought it was, like, the biggest city in the world where, like, anything could happen, which is, like, so funny because, like, my boyfriend's from Boston and, like, a couple months – no, this is – fully years ago because we've been together for a long time now but like the first time we were going together back to visit his family I will never forget like we were on the highway and like crested the hill and like saw the Boston skyline and I was like is that Boston it's a town with one tower are you fucking kidding me like I was like I could not believe how small Boston was anyway so small you can walk it in two hours like are you fucking kidding so I was like obsessed with the idea of going to college in Boston so like my top schools were like BU and Emerson like I was like obsessed Mm -hmm. with those and so I got into BU and which at the time cost, I think, $57,000 a year. Yeah. And yeah. I <laughs> do not come for money. I was, a, we were like at all. Um, and so I opened the envelope and it, or it was like a folder and it was like, you've been accepted. And I was like, I'll go to BU. Yes. And I pull the letter out and behind it is my financial aid package. For the whole year, they gave me a grant of $75. What? <laughs> My financial aid package to BU was $75. And I was like, okay, so I guess I'm not going to BU. (laughs) Oh, my God. So I went to to UVM and studied film theory. And that was amazing. Yeah. Where'd you say UVM? Yeah, University of Vermont. Which is a great school. Oh, yeah, I had a blast. Was it like, (laughs) was it like, did I learn much that like I use today like no I learned like screenwriting formatting and I guess I did my screen I took one screenwriting class and I would say it was good but like do I use like film like analytical film theory on a day-to-day basis like literally no never not once mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I should tell you now I went to BU uh- <laughs> oh my god I forgot you went to BU oh my god it's funny because I said I said BU and then I went wait, is Anna from Boston? And then I was like, no, she's from Philly. And like, they're both, they're like the two small, like East Coast cities. And then I moved on. I but just you wanted to hear what you had to say because I'm not like a rah-rah BU person, but it was, and also it is one of the most expensive schools. And my dad used to parade me around the house being like, we are Penn State. And I was like, as soon as I visited Penn State, I was like, dad, this is a snow town. Like there's one Walmart, like yeah. I can't go here. And, uh, and then- when I went to Bo- – my dad will still tell me uh, – he. I was very blessed that he was able to pay for my college, but he said he will be paying it off until he's 92 years old, and yeah. he likes to rub it in anytime I, you know, show up. <laughs> I know. It's um, so – Yeah, so because ridiculous. my siblings both went to – like, either got a great – you know, my brother got, like, a full scholarship. Like, he's, like, you know, the brains, and my totally. sister went to, like, a very cheap school, and, like, they're all like, yeah, Anna, who chose BU, and we'll never pay it off. <laughs> Yeah. You know, he'll be like, I could go on a trip to Italy, but <laughs> I have to pay for your college. I'm like, Dad, you know, I should. I wanted to drop out after freshman year, and they wouldn't let me. I literally didn't even go to class, and I was on academic probation, and I was like, you should just let me drop out. I'll be an actor. I'll did be you, fine. Did you hate it? No, I didn't hate it. I loved it, but it wasn't like, I don't think it was like other people. Like, it really felt like living in a city, and like, you know, I did a lot of theater, and I got good parts at BU, which was great, but I was a TV production major, so I only wrote like half-hour 
script, full hour script. I never wrote a screenplay, totally. which I'm trying to do now. And I'm like, wow, I wish I took like one film class, but uh, <laughs> they, they don't like let it, you, they don't let TV students take film s- stuff. I think shit's changed since I went. I went a thousand years ago, but. um. Well, the tuition's yeah. c- certainly gone up. It's even more expensive now, I'm sure. 1,000%. Yeah, yeah. It was, it's so funny because at a lot of schools, I feel like people stay on campus because it's cheaper. It was cheaper to literally get an apartment yeah. in like Alston, Massachusetts than to like live in dorms for your sophomore it's year. It's so ridiculous. It's <gasps> so ridiculous. But that's when I started working in restaurants in Boston. So it nice. was like. Which restaurants? I, I feel, uh, Miss, Mistral. Have you ever been to Mistral? No. Or Soralina in Copley. In, okay. And Teatro. They were all owned by the same guy. And uh, and they were very kind to me. And they let me like bounce around. And it I was. that. They were great. Yeah. It was like, you know, fancy schmancy restaurants. And nice. I started out as like a host and a coat checker. And then like by the end, I'm like maitre d'ing. I can bartend. I can do private events. You know, yeah, like jack that of all trades. We love it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Nice. But I used to make so much money coat checking. And I was like, what am I going to do with $400 in ones tonight? And I, I like, know. <laughs> coat check if you get the good gigs. Coat check is a fucking sick ride. The best, yeah. the best, the best. I mean, you got to stay late, but I was like, I was so excited to get that cash. Cause like, if you did another job, it comes in your paycheck. Like, yeah, and I yeah. was like, not totally. coat check. No, co- <laughs> coat check is clean. Yeah. Yeah. So did you start working in restaurants in college? Did you have a yeah, job I went while to, you were there? I did my sophomore year. I guess, oh my God, I did have like the most random job my freshman year, which was not in restaurants, which was I worked for the sports department and I would have to like do random gigs at like the sports games. I always forget I had that job. (laughs) But so I did that freshman year and then sophomore year, I did the whole year abroad in England. Oh, nice. Because I am bad with money, I didn't save any money to go because I knew that I was going for a year. My visa came with work, right? So I was like, oh, I'll just get a job in England and that'll be fine. And so I got a bartending job. And that's when I started bartending was when I was 18. Abroad. Yeah, 18 in England in a student pub. Two student Holy pubs. Holy shit. Like the university had these two pubs on like the student housing campus. And I bartended in the both of them with like, and it was the most fun thing in the world. Everyone there was like, a student. We were all having fun. It was like always a party. I loved everyone. They became my family. It was truly heaven. That's so nice. And everyone drinks young there. I feel like yeah. it's like it's a it's a different kind of It's a drinking you know, culture. It's, yeah. It's, yeah. Yeah. To maybe the detriment of their health, but um it, it <laughs> was fun for an 18-year-old. Or I guess I was nine I turned 19 there. I got there when I was 18, then I turned 19. I'm so impressed that abroad you like walked in, you're like, I want to bartend. And they were just like, all right, cool. Yeah, I remember like finding the application. I remember finding the application online. I was like, oh, there's two bars on campus. I'll just like apply to those. And I was like, right. no problem. And then I, I remember I sent the application in online before I even went to England. Like I was still in America when I applied online. Okay. And they sent an email back that were like, basically being like, hey, like I'm sure you were thinking like, oh, bar- I'll just bartend at the campus bar. That's what everyone thinks. And they were like, mm-hmm. we have 20 slots for this year and 750 people have applied. And I was like, okay. And I sort of was like, I was like, I'm just not going to tell my mom that fact because this is sort of the only plan I've made for how I'm going to make money in England. And I, I just kind of was like, I will get this job. Like I will get this yep. job. Like there's no question. I will get this job. And so it was like a, it was like they, they did a first round of like cuts, I think from applications. And we're getting the email. I think still when I was in America, that was like, you made the first round of cuts. Like we're going to do in-person interviews. And I was like, Okay, cool. And then I just remember going to the in-person interview in England and being like, you got to fucking nail this. 
And like, you got to nail it hard. And yep. I was like, they're English. So don't come in too thirsty. Like, don't be like, ah, because like they won't like that. So like, which like is kind of who I am. So I just remember like really tempering myself, but being like, like, just like find your moments to like really shine and then just reel back. And I like did that a few times. And I was like, I think I got it. I think I got it. And then I got the email and I was like, yes. I love this. This sounds like a Broadway show audition. You're like the first round of cuts. And then I know it was like Harvard level, like application. I was like, this is ridiculous. But honestly, it was great. And was it like cocktails or it was probably mostly beer? I imagine. No. So that's actually a funny question. So I mean, in like English pub culture, like you can't walk into a pub and be like, can I get a Cosmo? Like that's not happening. Right. No. So on the standard days, it would be pints, wine, and mixed drinks. So like, you know, a vodka soda, a tequila soda, like whatever. Um, Vodka Coke, which is like a thing that people drink a lot there that doesn't happen here really. Mm -hmm. But Mm -hmm. um, so, but then there was this thing in one of the bars on Thursday nights, there was cocktail night, which was like a special night where we like got the shakers out and like did cocktails in the back room. And it was two cocktails for seven pounds because you can make two shakers and one cocktail. So it was whatever. Yeah. We would be, like, six deep at the bar for, like, three hours, like, going crazy. And it was, like, so – I thought it was so fun at the time because I was, like – I was 19. And I'm, like, barging by a busy bar, like, doing cocktail bartending. Absolute fucking heaven. So I it was cocktails one night a week. And then the rest of the time, it would just be, like, pints and mixed drinks and wine. That's cool. Yeah. That's good, like, practice, too, for when you, like, come back. (laughs) I mean, it's it's funny because, like, my year abroad in England, like – I learned what I used the most in college by far. Like the the bartending I learned there, and granted I had to learn a lot more as a bartender when I got back to America, but like in terms of like becoming a bartender, like that is the thing that paid my bills for the following 10 fucking years, you know? Yeah. Not, yeah. not like my sociology minor. <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah. It's funny because I feel like I had so many friends, you know, in our field who were like, I'm a comedian, I'm an actor, I'm moving to New York, I want to bartend. And like all these people say, I want to bartend and they think you need to like, quote, I never went to bartending school or anything. You really just need like a mentor, like someone who's like, all right, I'll teach you what I know behind this bar. And Honestly, like, like if you're a, <sighs> if you're like a theater professor in a non-metropolitan area, like worth your salt, be like, hey, bartend now, so that when you move yeah. to New York to be an actor, you have like three years of bartending on your resume. Like, yeah, because like getting in once you're in New York is hard. It's mm-hmm. really hard. And also, like, if you're listening to this podcast and you're thinking about getting in, never go to bartending school. Like, that's not a thing. Yeah, don't do it. Don't take the classes. It's literally not real. I was working in a restaurant and one of my managers, he was like a part owner of this like dive bar on the east side. And he was like, do you want to like learn to bartend? And I was like 21. I had just graduated and I was like serving. And I was like, yeah, I mean, I'd love to. And (laughs) I was so worried because they had like so many cocktails at this place. Even though it was a dive bar, they wanted to have like fancy cocktails. and like Every cocktail had like the egg whites. And I was just so like. I was like, I'm gonna give someone salmonella. Like, I'd shake, I'd shake for hours. I'd be, they'd be like, "Is my drink ready yet?" And I'm like, "One second. <laughs> I'm like, someone's gonna go home sick. Um, and I was such a prude. I like didn't want to take shots. And they were like, it was the type of place where they were like, if a guy wants to buy you a shot, like you, you let them buy you a shot. And I would like let them buy me a shot. And I'd like take the gun and like do like diet coke. And, like, fuck take yeah. It. <laughs> I was like, I can't, I can't take shots all night and make egg white drinks. Like, who do they think I am? I'm a fucking child. <laughs> I know. Well, it is funny to be like, yeah, it's like, I can't take 
like I, sometimes when I like when I was bartending, someone be like, "Let's do another shot," and I'm like, "No, I actually do need to keep working. Like, I you need to kind of temper it. Like, I can't be six, yeah, I can't be three to six shots deep with four hours left of service. Like, that's not gonna go well. <laughs> not at all. Either that, either I'm gonna fuck everything up, or I'm gonna like pass out soon. Yeah, like I'm just gonna go to sleep, <laughs> or I'm gonna have to start getting hung over. Like if you, you yeah, know, and it's like oh, it's so bad. Ugh. Oh my god. But it is fun to be behind a busy bar and like you are you are the keeper to the keys and everyone, you know, like it, you don't necessarily when it's busy like that, I imagine you don't have to like make so much conversation with yeah. people. You're literally just doing your job when and I was, making people yeah. happy. When I was younger, I felt that. I was like I fucking love a slam bar. Like I love and it, here's the thing like back at, if I was back at the pub where it was like it was like pints, quick mixes and wine, like give me five deep at the bar. The second it's like, cause like the place I worked at and I like always shit on like my friend who runs the restaurant because I was like, I just was like at my heart, I'm a dive bar bartender. Like I'm a pub dive bar bartender. <laughs> like I don't really want to shake cocktails. I don't really want to yeah. stir martinis. Do I love to drink those drinks? Yeah. Literally so much. But like if it's six deep at the bar and someone's going to get, someone's like, can I get two Negronis, uh, like a vodka martini and like three egg white old fashioned or like egg white, um, whiskey sours. I'd be like, yeah. Yeah, I guess I'll go fuck myself in the corner while I'm at it because you, do you not see that there's 300 people here? Like, God forbid you order a beer. Like, I, don't, yeah. like, I just like can't. I lost that like zeal when I got a little older. I think also because I was like, it was my survival job. So I was like, I need to afford this as little energy as possible to like have energy for what I'm actually doing. For yeah, and so then and- I was like, I was like, I just want to work the deadest shifts. <laughs> Totally. I get that. It's funny. Um, it's fun to like be good at making cocktails, but you don't have to do it nonstop. And I always do you get like when you go out with friends and you see it's a busy bar and like your friend is like, I really want like a hot toddy or like something, you know, is going to just not on my watch, not on my watch <laughs> to the point where now my boyfriend knows like we'll be at a bar and he'll look at me and be like, am I allowed to order a Negroni? Like he'll ask, like, he'll ask, he knows like, cause oh. if like we're, if you, if we walk up to a slam bar together and he orders something like complicated. Not that a Negroni's that hard, but still, like, I'm like, no, you gotta. Sorry, babe. Like, you gotta. If it's on tap, sure. But like, otherwise, we really gotta keep it simple right now. Like, this bartender's struggling. I love that. I love that he asked for your he knows. You know, blessing. <laughs> Did he ever work in restaurants? He worked. He worked at like a wings counter in college, <laughs> like a like a like a wings <laughs> over type situation. But I don't. Got I it. think that's the closest thing he's come to food service. I mean, that is food service, but never like a restaurant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's so funny because Jared will defer to me, like, you know, for like he'll he'll always or he'll look at cocktails and be like, What's this? You know, yeah, like totally. and I'm like <laughs> Oh, Nate will just fully hand me the menu be like, What should I get? Like it doesn't even <laughs> want to make the decision. I'll be like, Okay. Uh, oh, I love it. I want to go out with you and Nate. I want to go out. We'll go out for fancy cocktails on a on a slow night somewhere so we can order whatever we want. I love that. <laughs> I love that. I'm I do down. too. Um, okay, so you moved back to the States and then And then did you- I worked at a, a margarita bar. That was like my the, for junior and senior year, I worked at this margarita bar in Burlington. Also like the most fun time of my life. Because again, like I was bartending as like a as like a child with my other child friends. friends like yeah. like you know, like the El Gato, that was the Mexican restaurant. Like we were like all like 21, 22, just like mm-hmm. Selling margs, drinking margs, eating chips, making money, getting paid in cash, going out after. Like, it was the most fucking fun all the time. And I was like, if this is what bartending is, like, God fucking bless. Like, I'm down forever. Like, Mm -hmm. thinking I would be 21 forever. Um, But it was that. So that was what I did throughout college. Um, I did 
Yeah. And it was like heaven. I'm still like very close friends with people I worked with at that restaurant and with the mm-hmm. bar the bar in England. Like I stayed close with all of those people. And then I moved the week after college. Like I I graduated like May 23rd and then June 1st I moved to New York. Mm-hmm. June 2nd I started working at a very fancy restaurant in Gramercy. Um, oh my god, we had the same life. I literally graduated May. I moved like two days after and started yeah. working at a fancy restaurant in like Union off of Union Square. Totally. That I worked at the summer before oh, for like nice. two months. So they were like, "When you graduate, you have a job." And I was like, "Okay." Nice. I love that. Yeah. yeah. The, the I had like a home connection. Like randomly, the GM of this restaurant is like from my hometown, and like our moms know each other. And so there was like a phone call made to get me an interview, and then I started working there. That was like a. That's great. Uh, it was brutal. That restaurant really was hard to work. I just in. mean the connection. Oh, the connection was so great. So many people. Yeah. Yeah. No. Like, oh, hit the uh, yeah. Pavement. A hundred percent. Like I didn't have to like run around New York with resumes, like figuring that shit out, which I am thankful right. for. Where they're like, um, I'm sorry, we need New York experience. Like Vermont is not New York, and totally. even though you could fucking, you're like, I could make you eight margaritas in like two seconds right now, yeah. and they're like, mm. totally, totally, snobs. Um, the. The um so yeah that restaurant was pretty brutal and I had never worked fine dining before and I like I okay at like everywhere I'd worked had been the most casual like I'm talking you know what I mean like an English pub and like a Mexican restaurant where I wore like shorts and like a restaurant branded T shirt and just would like be like oh do you want more water and sometimes if I felt like it I would just put the pitcher on the table because I didn't feel like coming back like it was like very <laughs> like it was not like. It was, like, the most casual service. Like, plastic menus. Like, we were spraying menus at the host stand. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. and then all of a sudden, I'm, like, I'm, like, walking through a dining room, shirt tucked in, like, bringing Uma Thurman to a table. And I was, like, I'm, like, in <laughs> over my fucking head. Hardcore. And, like, I just, like, and that restaurant was, like, had, like, the quintessential, like, really toxic New York restaurant environment. The chefs were all, like, sexual harassers and, like, Mm-mm. just, like, nasty alcoholics and, like, not all of them, but, like, one of them in particular who was very powerful. And, like, it was just, like, really, like, it was, it was like, it was, like, an old school New York restaurant where it was, like, kind of had that fraternity mindset of, like, we haze the new people, we treat, we make you feel small, we break you down, and then we build you back up. Yeah. And, like, it's, yeah. So, I don't think highly of a lot of the people from that time. But, like, the people I do like are still, like, my some of my closest New York friends. And then, like, the yeah. bad guys. I'm, like, it's funny now because, like, a lot of the comedy I was doing, like, last year was restaurant-based. And so, these people would start to reach out to me on Instagram and be like, oh, my God, this video is so funny. I love it. And I'd be like, bitch, this is about you. Like, I'm yeah. making fun of you in this video. Like, how dare you? Like, you know what I mean? Like... These like people who like tr- like literally were like Im- abusing their employees, then sending sending me this video, being like, "LOL, I love this." I'm like, "You shouldn't. You should not yeah. love this." Oh like, my god, it was. It's crazy. so funny you said that because when I first left my last restaurant I worked at, it was a, it was a fine dining steakhouse. You know, fine dining, but it was a steakhouse. But and uh, I had the worst manager ever, and he was everything you just said. Like yeah. he was a full on alcoholic. He'd like leave at six and like go to a dive bar nearby and like show up like fully wasted at like seven in time for like the busy. <laughs> you know, hour. And then he'd like do cocaine downstairs and he'd come up, he'd tell me to wear lower cut shirts. He'd tell me to wear heels. He'd t- I'd be like, I think you're not supposed to tell women that. Like I literally would just say it out loud. And the first thing I did after I left, I wrote this pilot for like a pilot class. <laughs> 
podcast and it like it was like a murder comedy and it like <laughs> takes place in a restaurant and like he was the boss and I was like and he has the most brutal murder and this and, and like I remember getting notes like wow it's really graphic and I was like yeah yeah so this guy- like hey Anna the whole of Act Two is just him being slowly killed and they're like we do need some more plot movement <laughs> and like my little brain was like yeah when this gets made he's gonna fucking see it and he's it's gonna be like so wow funny. she made it and I'm gonna be like that's you I that's you getting killed in this pilot. <laughs> That's so funny. Uh, but, uh, you, you know, write what you know, I guess. Totally. Right? <laughs> totally. Yeah. I can't. Yeah. It was. It, what a fucking time. So, yeah, that was the, my first New York job. I lasted there eight months and then was like, I got to get out. Yeah. And then I went to, thinking it would be better, open a hotel in Midtown. Um, so I was on the <laughs> opening team of a hotel bar and then their rooftop bar. Whoa. Um. Which was an experience, also really brutal, just like not a good situation. Definitely that first year in New York was like the most depressed year of my whole life, which I think is like a standard experience for a lot of people. Mm -hmm. Um, Like, I was fine. Like, I'm fine. But like, it was definitely really hard. That restaurant, that the hotel was psycho because they, this, that, that, I can't, if I talk... I signed signed an NDA, so I'm like, what am I allowed to say? But all I'll say is they had like, they, they... First off, they made me sign an NDA, if that tells you anything about, like, what they thought was going to be. Like, I, like, was a hotel bartender. They made me sign an NDA. Yeah. But it was, like, they had a psychotic amount of money and, like, no idea what they were doing. And it was just, like, so, so crazy. Like, I was in charge of organizing the wine cellar. There was, like, hundreds and hundreds of thousands of bottles of wine (laughs) that someone had just, like, bought and, like, no one knew anything about it. I'd be like, hey, so this, like, bottle of Malbec is worth $700. Like, do we have tasting notes on it? And they'd be like, no. And I'd be like, like, sorry, like what? Like it was just crazy. Oh my god, that's a nightmare. That's I mean, like because organizing a wine cellar is is like building your own encyclopedia. Truly, like, that's truly. crazy. It was really wild. So I worked there for like six months, and then eventually I landed at Rosemary's, which is like a restaurant in the West Village, mm-hmm. and I stayed there for four years. That was like my home base, like really solid, well-run restaurant that just like worked for me. So then I was. I was gonna say I think I met you when you were working. Most people there, did because like probably. most people didn't meet me that first. Like, I think I started at Rosemary's, like, August of 2015, and I moved to New York June of 2014. So I feel like people didn't, mm-hmm. like, meet me until, like, I was, like, functioning as a person at Rosemary's, <laughs> when I was, like, working at Rosemary's. And I worked at Rosemary's for four years, and then I went to Kindred, which is where I was until I left the restaurant industry. I love it. Yeah. So you, you like, made good relationships at these places where you were, like, I don't need to go anywhere else. Like, I – Yeah. I Kindred like was sick for – as a comedian, Kindred was – or not Kindred. Kindred was great because of it was just the people and like it was a wonderful place. Rosemary's was sick because Rosemary's has a really like solid lunch service. That's great. And yeah. the lunch bartending shift was 11 to 4, which like you can't beat. Like you can't no. beat that. And so I would do that like four days a week and then usually or three or four days a week and then you do like one or two brunches. Um, and the brunches were absolute hell always and miserable. But like I that felt like the blood I had to pay for the lunch shifts that were like so sick. Because mm-hmm. I could do comedy at night and like move things around if I had an audition. But I also wasn't auditioning that much back then. So that wasn't as much of an issue. But those lunch shifts really were good for mm-hmm. me. I love that. I wanted to go somewhere that had good lunch shifts. But I was also turning 20. I was turning 26 and I needed insurance and my yeah. restaurant company didn't give me insurance. And I was like, well, if I become an assistant, maybe I'll get benefit. And I, I did, I landed yeah. it, but it was like, it was that weird bat. Like we didn't open until four, like our pre-shift meeting was four thirty, you know, and I had to be there until like totally. fucking midnight. 
Uh, I don't know. I remember meeting you though. And I was like, oh, he works in good restaurants and he's a food. Like when you work in restaurants, you also become a foodie. It's just like part of the, yeah, the job, right? Like totally. you, you learn what you like and stuff. And I was like that. I, I always bond with people. I'm like, you're, we're a different breed. You know what I mean? Like we can go out to eat together and it's Yeah. Fun. Well, it's like, yeah, no, totally. It's also like, I think a big part of it is like in the comedy world, sometimes you'll just assume like because you meet people within the comedy world and it's like we're connecting on in this one wavelength. And I'm yeah. like, oh, yeah, we all like we're all we all like, you know, have similar energy. We have similar vibes, like similar like senses of morality. And then like you'll go out to a restaurant with someone and then all of a sudden someone <laughs> you like hung out with a few times is like really rude to the waiters. And you're like, ah, like I thought we were friends. But, like I can't hang out with you if this is how you speak to people at a restaurant. Like yeah. has this ever happened to you? Because like every time 1, it happens, it's like I'm literally in my head, like remembering, like going to like via Corona or somewhere La Artusi. And yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like, oh. It was like mortifying. It was like, wait. <laughs> yeah, I was like, oh, like you're kind of like, like, wow, like I have to get through this dinner and then I'm never going to go out with this person again because like I can't unsee this. Like, yeah. yeah. And yeah. I feel like that is like the thing I value most in fellow service folk is being like, okay, I can trust that you're going to like treat others with human decency. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. There comes, a, there sometimes, I don't know if you get this wave, but do you ever feel like sometimes you'll be at a restaurant and it'll just, if they're, if they're not doing a good job and you're like, wow, uh, I, I can do this job better than like it. I'll get like frustrated if I'm like, you're just being lazy. You're maybe you're having a bad day. Maybe you're just, but like, totally. I mean, I've I, been in your shoes and like, just do the fucking job. Like a hundred percent. I mean, it's like, the, like, it won't affect the tip or anything. No, like I would never. Monster. Exactly. You know, we're never going to withhold the tip. I like, I'm always like, if I'm like, Oh, it's taking a while. I'll look around the restaurant and you can usually figure out why you're like, yeah. Oh, there's an eight top from a wedding that didn't come. That looks like they came in without a reservation and everyone's fucked. You know what I mean? And I'm like, I'm not going to be mad that my pasta is taking long. I see the reason why that's not, that's beyond this restaurant's control. But mm-hmm. if I like can't see that reason and then I'm like watching and like the server's on their phone, I'll be like, okay, I do need my pasta. Like I do get, definitely like, <laughs> do get annoyed. But it yep. is like, that's like another thing. Like people will sometimes in a restaurant be like, you know, like, oh, like I haven't noticed this thing. Like, or like, where's our food? And I'm like, if you look up, you'll see. Like it's all, the information is available for you to take in if you just look around this restaurant. You know what I mean? Yeah. Totally. Read it. Read the room. Literally read the room. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Okay. I wanted to ask this question because uh, we don't have to say anything about negative about anybody, but I wanted to know, do you have any favorite celebrities that you met or served in your time working in restaurants in New York? Ooh. Okay. Good questions. Um, Isaac Mizrahi would, I served him at Mylino and he would come into Rosemary's a lot and he was Mm -hmm. a phenomenal tipper always. Like really, really lovely and tipped incredibly generously. So I always, Warms my heart. He always, he always stood out to me. Like he was never like, it was never like, he was literally never difficult and always tipped like 30 to 40%, um, which I always, We love to see it. I always, Isaac Mizrahi always, I, he comes to mind whenever that question comes up. Honestly, I had like largely, I almost had like no negative like that's good. celebrity experiences. I think because like for the most part, celebrities know like that someone can go on a podcast or TikTok and be like, this person <laughs> was a fucking asshole to me. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but yeah, like most of the celebrities like I have dealt with like and served have all been like really nice. I'm trying to think if there's any like funny stories. To you sh- know who was a great tipper for me? And I met her like twice, I think. Uh, Kristen Chenoweth tipped everyone. Oh, from, nice. From the door to the host, to the service, to the bartenders. And I was like, she's just palming people. And I was like, she definitely worked in restaurants. Like, God bless. Oh, you know? the broad, the Broadway ones, like they, a lot of them fucking put their, their blood in at restaurants for sure. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah, for um, sure. Um, one time, one of my first, I remember like one of my first, like, whoa, I work, my life is crazy now. I live in New York was when like one of my first nights at the fancy Gramercy restaurant, there was a table that was Wes Anderson, Edward Norton, Mary Kate Olsen. <laughs> oh my God. And I was like, what's happening? Like, whoa. that's crazy. Like, mm-hmm. um, that was like one of my, yeah, that I was, was one of my biggest say, ones. I, one of my first like big celebrities, uh, I worked at BLT Fish Shack, which was and BLT Fish. It was like this, yeah, yeah. no longer. And um, you'll love this. Uh, Gwyneth Paltrow and Chris, uh, who's her ex husband, Chris Martin, and Beyonce and Jay Z. Oh my god! <laughs> and they came in a four top. Like what? <laughs> I just remember being like, "That's wild." And I like, and Gwyneth Paltrow asked me for a recommendation, and. Um, and she was like lobster roll or fish sandwich, and I was like lobster roll. Always like lobster the fish sandwich roll. is like fine, but it's like kind of bland, you know. And she was like, "I'll do the fish sandwich." And then she didn't eat it, and she didn't like it. And I was like, "I told you." <laughs> when I when someone asked me for their, their rec- my, when someone would ask me for my recommendation, and then they wouldn't take it, I'd be like, "You're dead to me, and I don't care what happens to you." Like like it's fully over. Like I don't care. <laughs> it's true. I mean, you asked, I gave you, 100%. you know. Yeah. I just, I remember, I'll never forget that. And I have nothing against Gwyneth Paltrow. She was lovely. She was nice. And it was almost funny because Chris Martin was like, I heard you. <laughs> <laughs> he was like. <laughs> That's really funny. <laughs> he was probably like, I'll have the lobster roll. I'm like, yeah, because you're, you get it. You heard, you listened. Uh, um, well, I think you're, you're doing amazing things now. Um, if there's anything else you feel like spilling for us, uh, I, all your stories are so fun. Everything you've told. Um <laughs> You are. It's true. And I'm really glad to see you doing comedy full time. I know. A scary, it's, I feel it's very lucky. It's a scary lucky. thing to say, you know, but it's amazing. Yeah. I mean, it's like, it's cool. And like, and I, I mean, what's nice about like having, it's, it's like a huge gift and it's really nice. And it's also cool to like be in New York with, and have like so much, such an intense relationship with the restaurant scene here that I don't feel like, I'm not like fuck restaurants and I, I'm out no. and like never go back. And it feels nice. Like, like I'm go after this interview, I'm going to get rest, uh, check out a restaurant that my friend is the GM of that I haven't been to yet. And like, I'm so excited and like, it's nice to still be involved in that world. And like, yeah, I'll probably jump behind a bar someday when like just for funsies or maybe because I need it, like who knows, but like, it's really, it's, I feel lucky that it kind of happened in that way that I kind of got to bridge the two. Yeah. Well, I've been saying this to you because I've seen you a couple of times, but I really would love to go to a dope restaurant with you and yeah. just like have a nice cocktail and enjoy our dinner Let's together. Let's do it. I'm so down. Okay. Yeah. I'm going to text I'm, you after this. Yeah, 100%. Let's do it. Um, okay. So I want to know if there's anything you want to plug for people. I do know you just did recently did a, a very famous play that is happening again. Yes. In yes. Three years. Yes. Yes. Oh, thank you for reminding me. Okay, cool. So two things to plug my podcast going out with Jake Cornell is coming out soon. Um, yes, we don't have an official congrats. date yet. Thank you. Um, but it should be out in the next like month, month and a half. So keep an eye out for that. Follow me on like Instagram, um, Jake W. Cornell to like, I will be, probably be posting way too much about it when it's time for that to be posted. Can you tell me like a log line of like what the pod so is? So it's an interview podcast. It's me and like celebrities, comedians, and like food personalities. And it's all about going out. So restaurants, bars, nightlife, like how we like to go out. What do we like to drink? What do we like to do? Where do we like to go? How, like, what are our favorite things? So it's like all I love things it. going out. It's going to be really fun. And I'll have you on for sure. That would be so I fun. I love it. It's so fun. Um, And then, yes, Man and Woman is a play that Marsha Belsky and I wrote wrote and perform and uh we put it up at union hall a month ago and the next one is going to be 
January 22nd, again at Union Hall. Tickets are on sale, um, and it will probably sell out again. So I would say grab them soon. It's going to be – it's a very, very, very fun show. I, I'm so excited. Yeah. I love it. Cool. Great. Um, and where can people follow you? Give Instagram, me, give me handles. Instagram, TikTok, Twitter are all Jake W. Cornell. Perfect. <laughs> follow him. Go watch those videos. I mean, it, it just make your day. It'll make your day. That's, Thank you. That's the beauty this of it. This was so yeah. fun. Thank you. This is so fun. And I love you. I'm so glad you're here. And uh, love you too. that's it. That's Bye. all we got. Uh, that felt good. That felt like cathartic to talk about restaurant world because it's true. You become like a big part of it when you work there I can for tell. so many years. I've learned actually a lot from listening to you and other people who <laughs> worked in restaurants. Um, yeah. I forgot like you never did. No, never did. But uh, that's I why really you're a fucking nightmare to eat with. No, you're not. <laughs> uh, I appreciate the uh, the insight. Really, yeah. Um, I was just when he said that somebody at, like he doesn't he didn't like when people asked for recommendations and then didn't order it. Like I actually asked for a recommendation at a restaurant the other night and I did order what they recommended. So congrats! So good you're for on me. everybody's. <laughs> They're going to remember you. They're going to be like, that was nice that that happened. That worked out. That worked Good. out tonight. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love it. Um, oh, my God. Ellen, how's your how's your employment life? How's your how's your work life? It's been busy. I did a six day week uh, this week. Wow. Uh, I worked a Saturday, um, but it was it was good. Um, That's good. But, you know, it makes my weekend suffer a little bit. But, you know, whatever. Still making whatever money. you're making that cash. Yeah, you are. Um, I feel very unemployed right now. Like I'm working. I worked so hard last week and I am manifesting it. There are two jobs that I auditioned for that. I'm like, I got to get this. Like this is the, this is a job for me. You know what I mean? Even if I'm not necessarily the, the exact type that they want to cast according to the, the breakdown, it's mm-hmm. a job for me. I'll show <laughs> them, you know? Um, so we'll see. I'm really trying to manifest some gigs coming in because it's been a, it's been a slow few weeks and it's it's hard right now because it's like almost holiday season, you know? It and always like, slows down around the holidays. Uh, it's going to slow down yeah. for me too. Our industry, um, man, it's like, it's like everybody's like, we don't work from like just – Thanksgiving to New Year's, like fuck and that. And honestly, I agree. We shouldn't, but I need somebody <laughs> to pay me still. Like, yeah. can you pay me to be on a holiday a little bit. I know. I need it. I so need it. Um, but I'm really trying to manifest. That's the word of the year: manifest. Okay. And I'm really trying to manifest some gigs for myself, including a cookbook. I'm gonna put out a soup cookbook. It's gonna be basic. It's gonna be easy. It's gonna make everybody who can be who wants to be a soup queen can be a soup queen. Do you know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like I think I really want to empower people to like be able like I think people think of cooking as like it's either like a challenge you love to do it or it's a challenge, you know? Uh and the people who do it just to do it are like not making very elaborate things. And I think soup is intimidating to a lot of people, right? Like it feels like a feels like a big undertaking to make a soup. And I I really, and it's funny because it's my favorite thing to make. So I really want to like, like make it accessible to everyone. And I know I'm not the first person to come up with this, but it's my point of view and it's my soups and it's my ideas. You're so passionate about it. it, I am. It would be great. Yeah. Uh, I am. Would you like, what do you think in crowdsourcing? Hmm? Crowdsourcing what? Like like a budget to make... Oh it. no, no! I'm gonna pitch it to a publisher and you hope want that the 
Yeah. Oh, yeah. I want to make a real, I want a real book to come out. I want to like, you know, go do a couple of like, go on tour and try and get people into the book and I'll do some comedy and I'll do some tastings, you know, and let people taste the soup. Um, I see it more being like, you know, funny essays along with like the soup recipes and yeah. it'll, they'll all have like a snack component to it. And like, you know, I was going to tell ask, you like pairings. Yeah, yeah, I might do some pairings because, you know, I like to top all of my soups with something or like dip into it mm. with something. So I'm You're really trying me to hungry. <laughs> I'm trying to think about it. all. I know. And I have one on the stove right now, but you can't have it because it's got beef in it, girl. Wow. And I never I never cook with beef. All my soups are dairy free um, aside from Parmesan. But I I rarely make beef like even when I make chilies, I usually do turkey or chicken. But tonight I did a beef vegetable soup and it smells like heaven. And I. Hope it's as good as it smells. Like I've tasted it, but it, it you know, it's hearty, especially for these cold days. It sounds it's good. hearty. Yeah, it's hearty. I, I wanted to do that, and I really want to top it with this. I'm being very ambitious. I want to like kind of bake. I want to make like a crispy. I might fry it. I want to bake a make like a crispy potato topping. So it's almost <gasps> like a shepherd's pie kind yes. of deal. I love shepherd's pie. Ugh. I mean, you know, vegan and like vegetarian versions of it, but <laughs> but like the the top is layer of like potato. I mean, who doesn't like a layer of potato? Come yeah, on. yeah, it's beautiful. There's some potato in the soup, but um, but I think it would, I think it could work out. I don't know. I'm really trying to be adventurous here, and so this is going to be my thirteenth soup out. Um, I've made Lucky others number off. 13. I've made others off camera that like I would include as a recipe, but I I have this goal to make I don't know if I'm going to stop at 50 not stop, but like make 15 or 20 videos, but I really wanted to do 20 soups. Like so I have the videos as like part of my pitch, you know what I mean, to be yeah. like people watch these, here's what I'm doing. And I'm I'm they're all going to be uh 3 minutes or less now. So they're they're shorter, they're TikTok length, they're We'll see. That's what everyone keeps telling me. Shorter content's the best way to go. So I guess. I guess. You got the right idea. Thank you. You know, Jake was an inspiration. So some at some point, you know, it'll happen. They'll see my soup content because that's what I want them to see. No one cares about the soups when I post them. They're like, you know, give us Hilaria. <laughs> but I want to make it happen. I really do. Um all right. Well, guys, that's the episode. Uh, definitely go follow Jake. He's super funny. I'm excited for his podcast. It sounds great. And uh, go listen to all the other episodes. We we got a new patron. I want to thank our new patron. Beautiful. Uh, wait, I, I meant Hello. to say his name. I know. We haven't gotten a new patron in a while. So I really wanted to give a shout out to The Average Guy. That's what his name is. The Thank average you, guy. Average guy. And honey, anything but average to me, because that's really nice of you to support us. Um, you, you guys know we're on the journey to a hundred episodes, which doesn't sound like a lot, I guess, to some people, but it's a lot. It's a lot to us. So on the road. Yeah. yeah. So please make sure you rate review. Uh, even if you're like, I love Anna's sweatshirt, like beautiful. We love it. It's it's you know, you can't see it, but people Anna, will want to see it. Looks nice right now. Thank you. Thank you. It's because I was filming a soup a video. Anyway, um, <laughs> yeah. So if you can support the podcast in any way, whether you join our Patreon or just leave a, you know, beautiful little review, uh, it all helps. And uh, I hope you have a lovely work week and we'll see you next time. Bye. 
Right now, I just want to take a moment to thank everybody who has supported our Patreon. This is your shout out right here from me. Tons of love. And if you haven't checked out our Patreon, all of our videos go up there. Sometimes I just write fun things because I feel like it. And it's just a really nice way to support us at Unemployed. And, you know, so we can keep this thing going. We do it for nothing. We do it for fun. We do it for you to listen to. So definitely check out the Patreon. And right now, huge shout out to our patrons, Bill Horton, Chi of Steel, Danielle McCartney, Lori Jackson, Jeannie Logan, we got Joe Galati, Chris Arneson, Jordan Lucero, Oscar Yuen, Ken Levin, and Vic Terry. Thank you so much. You have no idea how much it means to us, and I appreciate you, and I see you, and I love you.